Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So right before this section in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has uh, that encounter with the rich young man. He's invited this rich young man to follow him. He sees that this young man is not far from the kingdom, and he says, you lack one thing still. He says, go sell what you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. And we all know how that story ends. The young man's face falls, and he walks away sad because, as Matthew says, he had many possessions. He couldn't do it. He had many possessions. It's right after that that we have this section of the gospel, that we hear this line, this classic line that Jesus says that, It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, look, I I have heard, both as someone sitting in a congregation, and I have preached as a preacher, uh, preaching homilies, unpacking this, talking about how Jesus was possibly referring to how in the ancient world there were in the city walls these low, low, small gates called the eye of a needle. And it's quite possible that Jesus was referring to this, that for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, which, by the way, is not usually the place where camels enter the city, but if a camel were to pass through the eye of a needle, it would have to first unload all of its cargo, and then it would have to get down on all fours and kind of do this little camel shimmy, I guess, through the little low door, and then that's how it would pass through the eye of a needle. It's a good allegory. It works. You know, this whole idea of detachment, getting low, humility, all of that stuff. And it's a fine interpretation. And it's well within the bounds of the tradition. But what strikes me, uh, I should say what has, what struck me when I was praying through the gospel this time, right? Because the word is alive, it's effective, it's always speaking, the Holy Spirit's always speaking, is this, that hypothetically, a camel could do that, right? It'd be tough, and it would look weird, but a camel could hypothetically pass through this low gate in the city wall. But that doesn't account for the disciples' reaction, right? Notice how the disciples react to what Jesus says. It says, they were greatly astonished. And they said, well, then who can be saved? Well, who can be saved? From their perspective, they heard something that was not just difficult, but impossible, Right? And for me, like, like, if what he meant was this is going to be hard but not impossible, they wouldn't have reacted that way. They wouldn't have reacted that way. And Jesus' response to them, for me, at least this time reading through the gospel to yesterday and in today, this is what settles it for me because Jesus responds by saying, I know, this is going to be hard, but you can do it. No, no, he says, for man, this is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. He's not talking about something that's hard or something that requires a lot of effort from us. He's talking about something that's impossible. Like the impossibility of the image is the whole point. All right, so what are we to make of that? <laughs> what are we to make of that? Oh, just despair, we're all going to hell, right? No, okay. Well, I mean, especially when you consider like, like when you look at the global financial perspective, you know, anybody who makes 45 grand a year or more is in, automatically within the top 1% of earners, globally speaking, right? 
might not seem like you're rich compared to some, but you are exceedingly rich compared to others, right? So if we're all basically the rich, are we all basically damned? That's the question. No, no, it's not that simplistic. So let's like unpack a few of these layers of this impossibility business. It is impossible, it is impossible both for rich and poor alike for anybody to save ourselves. Like if we're saved, we're saved by grace. If we enter the kingdom of heaven, it'll be because we cooperated with all the grace that was being poured out into our lives. To enter the kingdom of heaven is a task beyond our nature. It's impossible on our own. Like, how do I become the kind of creature that can withstand the blinding heat of love's infinite glory for all eternity? I can barely handle three hours in the hot sun without sunscreen. How am I going to handle the supernova of love himself? I've often thought of it this way, that if heaven is an aquatic environment, then I have to somehow grow gills in this life. It's something beyond us. This is why Pelagius was wrong, right? He's the one who is the one who um, promoted that idea that we save ourselves, right? The heresy of Pelagianism. By the way, if you ever start a heresy, they're going to name it after you, okay? So just so you know. Um, Schultzenism or something. I don't know. I'm hopeful. It's, it's beyond us. It's beyond us. This is the amazing grace. This is like, that's why we sing amazing grace. Right? The Lord bends down to such a low level to lift us up to such a high level. Right? That's the first layer of this impossibility. Like what grace you have in your life, what virtue you have in your life, the amount of sinfulness that has been extricated from your life, all of that is itself grace. Therese of Lisieux said, all is grace. The only thing you can take credit for is your sinfulness. Everything else is God's grace and your cooperation with it. That's the first layer. Here's the next layer of this impossibility business. We must become possessed by the right thing if we're going to enter heaven. The young man, the rich young man, he walked away because he had many possessions. He owned many things, but those many things that he owned in the final analysis, they owned him. He was owned by them. He couldn't free himself for them. He was possessed by them. And look around our world. Look around our world. Do you see how people are possessed by the things of the world? We are meant to be possessed not by our possessions, but by the Holy Spirit. Diabolical, demonic possession is the diabolical mockery, if you will, of what God wants for us. We are meant to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. If you think of Pentecost... It's the inversion of diabolical, demonic possession to be fully possessed by God. That is what the goal is. So in this context of the gospel, the rich, as Jesus calls them, the rich are those who are possessed by their possessions. And if you're possessed by your possessions, then ipso facto, you are not able to fit into heaven. You're not going to get there. You're possessed by the wrong thing. And just like that rich young man, possessed by possessions, those folks will always walk away from Jesus. They'll always walk away. 
So friends, today here's the invitation to recognize, first and foremost, the utterly gratuitous nature of God's grace. That your ability to even sit here to receive God's word and his sacrament is itself grace and to allow ourselves to be taken more and more um, taken by the Holy Spirit, taken possession by the Holy Spirit. That's the invitation today. Amen.